everybody, and welcome to a new episode of StartupRad.io, your podcast show with startup news and interviews from Germany. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Jörn from StartupRad.io. Once again for you, this time we do bring you an entrepreneur interview with a startup based in Munich. Therefore, I do have a guest. Hello, welcome. Hi, how are you? Doing great. Could you briefly tell our listeners who you are and what you're doing? Sure. My name is Yvonne Gründler, um, and I'm the Chief Product Officer of Ottonova. Ottonova is a private health insurance in Germany. We're the first private health insurance that has been founded in the last 17 years. Um, yes, and I feel very fortunate to be here. Thank you for having me here today. <laughs> Sure, very welcome. As you say, it's a very rare event that a private health insurance, and we're talking explicitly about here about insurance. So that means you're fully licensed, fully funded insurance company, not an insure tech that is somewhere in between the balance sheet that is taking the risk and the client, but you are also the balance sheet that is taking the risk, right? That is absolutely correct. We are a fully licensed insurance. Um, we went through the entire regulatory process with the BaFin, who is the regulator for private health insurances in Germany, um, which is a very tough and hard process, uh, I have to say, and probably explains why there hasn't been a newly founded private health insurance in the last 17 years. Um, we were granted the license to operate, and we basically underwrite the risks ourselves. That's correct. And now, since I've been in the German interview with one of your colleagues-co-founders um, just yesterday evening, oh, we might add for our listeners, since we are right now officially in the summer break, this recording is done approximately mid of July. We'll put it online most likely in fall, so therefore uh, there will be a little bit time lag and not not the most recent informations are up to date but this summer time when everybody is on vacation the workload is a little bit lower we usually like to do some recordings and then publish them later on and made simply before the reason that a lot of people are right now on vacation themselves and the interview would just be lost if we would publish it right now so therefore the question how did you actually i I've been stalking you a little bit and you, you went to Cambridge <laughs> and you did a BA in natural sciences. And now tell me the way, how you got there. Uh, by the way, how many <laughs> languages you speak? Uh, uh, we briefly talked and you also speak Mandarin. You speak obviously German, some yes. English, I assume. And um, how did this all come together and how did you end up uh, in Munich in a health insurance company? <laughs> It's a very long way from uh, a lab in the UK to um, working in uh, newly founded private health insurance. That's correct. So what happened was I originally went and studied natural sciences in Cambridge, focusing on virology and immunology um, because I was interested in HIV. I was fascinated when I learned about the viral life cycle when I was like 13, 14 in biology in school. Um, that there's this thing that basically hijacks your body's own system to reproduce and, like, yeah, to reproduce um, and makes you sick on the side. So I was super fascinated by that and I wanted to go and learn more about that and to ultimately find a cure for that. 
because when I was in school, um, it was uh, a very um, the focus on HIV and AIDS and the impact it was having in terms of health globally was very high, and so people were very aware of this issue. So I went and uh, studied, finished, and while I was doing that, I actually realized that maybe I'm not the right person to be standing in a lab all day. It's something that I'm very interested in, um, but actually it's very tough work, and it takes a long time for you to see the results. And I'm a very impatient person, unfortunately, so I decided that I actually wouldn't... Um, stay in the lab um, and I decided to I, go I got one world. question when you've been talking about viruses and stuff like this mm -hmm. do I imagine it correctly that you have like all the protective gears and breathing and all this stuff around you <laughs> just curious so um, if you were to work with very specific um, strains um, that are highly dangerous, etc. then yes. But of course, I was still a student. I was a beginner. So me personally, no. The most that we had was a fume cover that basically, you know, would take off like uh, toxic substances. But, you know, it, like I wasn't doing the really dangerous stuff at that point in time. <laughs> so I was lucky. No full gear for me. <laughs> so I went from working um, in a lab to saying, okay, actually, this is not right for me. Where do I go? And I started, um, originally, I actually started working in the media industry. And I went from scientific publishing to radio production and then to TV production while I was still following my interest in HIV on a voluntary capacity. Um, and then after a while, I decided to go straight back into health because I was like, you know, this is actually my passion. I do want to help people be healthy, live better lives. So I started uh, working with voluntary services overseas on a program in Scotland and then also Nigeria, looking at stigmatization around HIV and AIDS and people living with HIV. Did a lot of community work there, went and worked with the GTZ, that's the organization german society for technical cooperation exactly. i know uh, admittedly uh, i've been working for them as an intern as well in china but we never met at this work <laughs> sadly not no um no but they're re really cool um agency that is actually located not too far away headquartered not too far away here from frankfurt and they basically bring a lot of engineers mm -hmm. uh med medical people and all those specialists from Germany abroad where they're needed. Exactly, exactly. Fantastic organization. I really, really appreciate the work they do. Following that, um, I decided actually to go and get my master's in reproductive and sexual health research um, because I actually wanted to continue working in the field and I wanted to make sure that I had um, a very good grounding in the methodologies. So I went back to London um, and studied at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And that school, it's a very good public health school. And I really appreciate the fact that they focus on public health. So they really teach you that health is part of a larger system, part of a larger environment. Um, so, you know, if, if you don't have the economic means to live healthily, um, then it's good and great to have lots of programs, but maybe the chances are very low that you will live healthily. Or if the social political environment is not conducive, you know, then obviously your health is going to suffer massively. 
And what I really noticed was that I lacked experience in healthcare delivery systems. So when I was working in Nigeria, I saw how much energy there was on the grassroots level and in the communities. And when I worked at the GTZ, I saw how much energy and how much money flows at the international level. But I didn't, to that point, understand why it wasn't joining up and why it wasn't progressing the way that I would have thought it would be. And I realized that actually healthcare infrastructure and care delivery systems are super important. So being in the UK, I decided to go and join the NHS, the National Health Service, which is, I really believe, and actually research also shows, one of the best healthcare systems in the world. Um, and there, there's a very clear advantage to having one system where the commissioners who are buying the services, so the payers, as well as the providers, so the hospitals, the community care providers, understand that they're working within one system um, to deliver care to over 60 million people. So I worked there for quite a number of years, working in service design, working in planning, worked in all kinds of provider settings in acute care. So that's the hospitals who also have emergency rooms and very specialist services. Worked in community care. So that's services who send nurses to your home, for example, if you have chronic conditions and are elderly. But they also operate community hospitals, smaller hospitals that are covering perhaps more rural areas. And I also worked in mental health care because I really wanted to understand how all of these parts fit together to provide care in a very, like, consulted in a very um, joined up way. After that, I actually went and did an MBA. So what happened was, as I was working in the NHS, I realized that there's a main resource constraint, and that's money. And I didn't really understand what this thing money was, so I wanted to go and really understand how finance works and how that influences everything that I'm working with on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, when you get your budget and you're balancing your budget, it's like, okay, why is it this way? Where does it come from? How does it work? So I went to INSEAD and did my MBA there with the idea that I would actually use what I learned there to continue working in healthcare afterwards, which is what I did. After that, I actually went to a medical device startup. And we had created a laser that treats diabetic retinopathy. So it basically um, lasers the back of your eye um, to treat a disease that is associated with diabetes. Very fascinating technology. I realized, though, that I wanted more. And while I was doing my MBA, I had started a project with a classmate of mine. And so we actually launched that project and I moved into that startup and that company full-time. It was actually not in the sphere of health. And so after a few years, after we'd grown, we'd internationalized, there unfortunately came the point where my mom got sick and it really reminded me of what I actually want to do, which is to help people be healthy so that they can live their lives the way they want to. So I moved back into the healthcare startup sphere and basically got to Autodoma. Bit of a long story. <laughs> Very interesting story. I, I kind of, in some areas, I did feel you because 
I've been in Germany, we used to have the draft and I'm not as young as I sometimes sound. And actually, uh, I had to do national service. So I was um, mm -hmm. EMT for one year full time. And then during apprenticeship and university, I was I was also working there. And it, it was quite a mm -hmm. fascinating time. Yeah. And I think You, you do learn a lot about medicine and especially people. Yes, the people part is so important. I think that that's something that unfortunately sometimes gets forgotten when treating the disease. There's a person behind that. There's a life behind that. There's a life structure behind that. And if we don't take these things into account, we cannot help that person because, you know, it's a person. It's a human being, not a robot who's going to you know, take the pills and swallow them at exactly the right point in time because, you know, they're human. They're going to forget sometimes. <laughs> yes, that's totally true. And then you started out at Ottonova since about two, uh, let's say three-fourths, uh, let's say 75% of our listeners are not from Germany. Mm -hmm. or not living in Germany, we might want to talk a little bit about the health insurance system here in mm -hmm. Germany before we actually get into what you guys are doing. Because everybody should understand that there are basically two types of health insurance you can have. It's either like the government-backed health insurance where there are a few or a little bit more than a few public bodies, public insurances are around to basically cover everybody. And if you do earn above a certain threshold, I do believe it's somewhere between 50 and 60,000 mm -hmm. per year before taxes and social security payments, usually then you are permitted to go into private health insurance. I mean, opt out of the government backed system into private system but then you're supposed to pay more. And then there's also a big difference in the government back system. Your fees, your premiums are basically calculated on basis of your income. When you go into private health insurance, it's more based on your age. Mm -hmm. That is correct. Yes. W would you like to add anything to this? It, I mean, it's very, very, very basic. <laughs> um, and of course, there are like trillions of details about all of that. I don't even want to go into <laughs> all the special areas. It's, it's like the, the very, very bird's eye picture we are painting here. Mm. Yeah, it's absolutely correct. I think your description is spot on. There's just one thing that I think um, I would just add. You mentioned that when you go into the statutory health coverage and you earn over this um, limit, that it's based on a percentage of your pay and it's capped at a certain rate. Um, and if you go into private health insurance, you said that you actually pay more and that it's based on your age. So it's correct that it's based on your age because the insurance concept um, for all insurances, all health insurances, is that you model someone's life and you model their health costs that they might need over 
the lifetime. And so obviously when you come in and you're younger, you pay less because you take less costs out, but also the assumption is that you stay for a long period of time. So you have this time to build up your old age reserves. And so this myth, I think, that exists in the German culture that private health insurance means that you pay more is not necessarily true. It really depends on how much, like, like what services you want, what, um, what coverage you want um, within a plan, and also what age you are and what health status you have when you enter the system. So let's say you're 28 years old and you're healthy and you're earning enough, you qualify for private health insurance, but you have no pre-existing conditions, you don't have any acute uh, treatments planned, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it could actually well be that it's cheaper to go private than to stay within the statutory health service. Also because your employer pays a percentage of your health coverage. I got it, Mitch. Uh, I'm personally also covered under private insurance plan and Uh, one of the reasons I did it was because it was cheaper for me to change into private mm. health insurance than stay yeah. in the public schemes. Yeah. So it's it's not always cheaper, but every time somebody is reaching that threshold, the public health insurers always say, and consider it may get <laughs> more expensive over yeah. time. And, and I was thinking... Okay, Germany gets older in general, so maybe also the public health insurance may get mm. more expensive over time. Yeah. But that's now the general picture. So we now notice there is some competition within the private health insurance area. Do you have any clue how many active players? Like you have to be licensed, you have to be in an official list. There's a strong oversight of BaFin. Mm -hmm. You have to follow regulations like... On level, also banks have to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, you got any idea how this market looks like right now in Germany? Um, what do you mean with how it looks like? Like how many players there are? Or yeah, for example, mm -hmm. and how the market is structured. Because from what I understand, you also sold some shares, like 10%, mm -hmm. to an established player head. Uh, I do believe headquartered not too far away from Frankfurt here in Koblenz, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. Dimika? Mm -hmm. That is correct, yeah. Mm -hmm. And if I did my math right, you sold like 10% for 10 million, which would value you at approximately 100 million euros. Mm -hmm. That is approximately correct, yes. Um, so the market is, in terms of the number of players, there are actually a large number of players, surprisingly, despite the regulation. But as I mentioned, in the last 17 years, there have been no new entrants because of all the regulation that is required to be able to get into this market. So we really are the only one who's doing something like this out there. And I think that's also what made us attractive to the DBK. As you mentioned, uh, they invested in us because they wanted to you know, like be part of this rejuvenation of the industry. And of course, it made you interesting as an interview partner for us. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad. <laughs> okay. And now there's like a lot of players where usually one should assume 
you are like employed there and then usually like it feels like 60 to 80 percent of the company are with the same private health insurance company it's different depending on organization but basically that's how all the private health insurers are basically getting their clients because like they have certain clusters where the people are working where the people are living and that's how they do their business till now and now you enter and <laughs> how are you going to change this market and get to be the pr biggest private health insurance like in two years <laughs> <laughs> two years that's too long no i'm joking <laughs> What we really want to do is we want here to... Here we go. Here we do have a quote for the market. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That was a joke. That's a joke. Um, so the important thing to understand about us is that we're fully digital health insurance. We are aiming for the target group that is digitally savvy and digitally interested. And we assume... Therefore, that we have channels um, that currently people are not or competitors are not using in the same way that we would want to use. We also are very focused on being customer focused. Um, we really want to build a relationship and build a partnership with the customer. And part of that is having a direct relationship with the customer. So if we look at our marketing, for example, um, and our acquisition routes, we are actually looking at acquiring our customers digitally through existing digital routes um, instead of using, using the traditional um, brokerage models. And the traditional brokerage model would be a little bit more like there are people who are selling insurance like small to medium offices or bigger companies and that's basically the people that walk around and try to call people Correct. and try to sell insurance mm -hmm. in general and they also do also private health insurance that's that's the traditional model right now in germany correct mm -hmm. and that's this this broker level is where usually most insure techs fit in because they just they digitize this broker level And they are not on the risk-taking side as you are. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're completely digital. I was, I'm a little bit curious how you achieve that. And I would be also interested in how many systems you're running. I don't think <laughs> you, have, you, you have like one system and that covers all and makes all of them happy, right? Mm -hmm. That is correct. In terms of our technology, it is very very complicated i guess it fits because it's health right health is very very complicated and insurance actually is also very complicated so we do have lots of systems working on um, the back end that the customer will essentially um, never be aware of um, because we want to um, speak to the customer um, ideally through one route of course Because we do not want to disadvantage customers. If customers do not want to speak to us in a digital route, um, there are other uh, channels available. Um, but again, like we're assuming that our target customers who are digital savvy, who live, for lack of a better word, mobile first life, are interested in carrying us around in their pocket, being able to reach into their pocket, take out the phone, open the Autonova app, and basically sort out everything 
regarding their health with us on that channel. That is quite interesting. It looks like a lot of other startups are aiming for something similar, like having everything um, covering one aspect of your life on the cell phone. What will come to mind right now would be the more extensive interview with it for, with Luca from Get Panther, who tried to be the small and medium enterprise home bank in Germany, just just simply on a cell phone. So mm -hmm. I would right now look at like you are in a similar area, trying to simplify that, making it just on one cell phone, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. another question, since you're circumventing this usual brokerage model where there's usually a lot of commissions paid, I would be a little bit curious how you actually approach your customers and how expensive it is for you to get those customers because like that is like a potential customers, I would assume like 50, 70 different insurance companies would also take in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. So in the traditional brokerage model, as you described briefly, there's basically people, brokers, who are speaking to the potential customers um, on behalf, basically, of the um, insurances. And if the customer signs a contract with the broker, the broker is paid a commission. The commission is quite high. In the industry, typically it can be around nine monthly premiums that the customer would pay. So you have to imagine that like the first nine months of you paying into essentially your health insurance actually is going to the broker. And we said, okay, we can probably do this a bit differently and also save the customer this money that actually can go into his health and his old age reserves. So by addressing customers um, on digital channels directly, we would be able to take out the middleman and take out the cost of that middleman for the customer. In terms of what you mentioned, competing online with other, with our competitors, of course, there are certain channels that are, that can become very expensive. And what we want to do there is actually act a bit differently. What we are looking for are customers who want a partnership, who understand that it's a long-term product and a long-term goal as well to achieve the best health for them. So we're much more interested in having these conversations online as opposed to simply putting in keywords in Google AdWords, for example. And we hope that by having these conversations and explaining to them who we are as a brand and why we want to do this and how we can help them live the best life possible through having good health and how we want to support them in having good health, that we can actually convince them and find those that want to join us for that journey. And you didn't say anything about the costs? Uh, sorry, repeat the question <laughs> specifically about the costs. You didn't say anything about the costs, like the customer acquisition costs. What's your, what's your goal there? What's your oh, I don't know there? if I can actually tell you the exact number, but let's just say it's significantly lower than a nine monthly premium. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are some trade secrets we have to keep. <laughs> 
you need a permission from BaFin, as we already discussed. So when did you get your permission? So we actually got our license mid of June, even though that was the official license, the official piece of paper saying we can operate. Obviously, it was a very, very long journey and a very long conversation and a very long inspection where we had to deliver lots of proof, calculations, literally everything was looked at from the CVs of the employees here, my colleagues, to make sure that they're fit and proper to run a health insurance, to the modeling that was done. I mean, these are, I always used to think that I was good at Excel. And when I saw our modeling, which basically is our business case, I was like, oh my God, this is a whole new level of statistics and Excel. Yeah, I was once actually working with some insurance mathematicians. They're called actuaries. And Mm -hmm. it's actually no fun at all to work with those guys. If you do have one mistake in like a huge Excel sheet, they just look at it and point, there's a mistake. But you got to say those people usually have like a PhD in a quantitative science, like physics, like computer science, economics, mathematics, and the like. And then they start this additional education to become an actuary. So they're really, really good in math, especially everything considering insurance. And if they need to work a lot, so that means is there something novel in those models as well? Or did you just put in your estimates in traditional models so no like we we obviously calculated from the ground up but the methodology obviously you cannot just ignore the insurance concept as such does not change right this you have to model over a certain number of years you have to make sure that you over that time take enough money in to make sure you cover the cost in the old age because the health costs increase as you get older um, right. So, no, we did not play around with inventing new ways of calculating in that sense. That's also something that obviously the Baffin would not have looked favorably upon. Like they really, their job basically is to inspect us and make sure that we will not fail. You have to imagine that this is a product for life, right? The assumption is you come in as a customer at a younger age, like, Anywhere from, let's say, 25, 26, 27, 28 to, let's say, 45 to 50, something like that. And this needs to last you until essentially the day you die. So if the company was to fail at any point in time, these customers, what would they do? They still need health care, right? They still need to have a backup. And so the Baffin's job actually is to inspect us and be so tough on us to be able to say, okay, we are confident that everything here is fit and proper and there basically is such a tiny chance of failing that we know that the customers are safe. And adding to that, as you said, when they pay the premiums, there's always a share going into deposits that the people can draw on later on in their life when they retired and get more sick and stuff like this. So this also has to last with you till they actually get tired. Mm-hmm. So you're actually looking at um, 
let me do this with a smile, a little bit longer time horizon than the average startup, right? <laughs> you could you could say that, yes, absolutely. I mean, I don't think it's a secret to say that, you know, when we model the lines and calculate the tables that we're using from the actuaries, you mentioned the mathematicians that work on this and the statisticians that work on this, you're modeling like 120 years, right? So this is not more typical startup, like the one that I founded, for example, where the customer life cycles are, might be a lot shorter. This is really a product for life. And that's also why we find it so important to communicate that we want to be this partner for life. I think that we, in our aim, I think that our, like our focus really is to make sure that the customer takes this journey with us and allows us to support him in keeping himself healthy. There's absolutely no point in kind of getting someone in and they, I don't know, let's say they, um, uh, they start smoking, they do this, they do that to really like hurt their health. Like we, we really want to have customers who are interested in health, who are interested in staying healthy, who see this as a long-term partnership. I cannot emphasize that point enough. And what are you actually doing for that? I know like my health insurance company, they pay me like regular checkups. They are happy when mm -hmm. I'm not smoking. I get some rewards. For example, I don't believe I can do this already with my insurance companies, but as like today, I was running in the early morning five and a half kilometers. I do this several times a week, even though you don't see it on my belly yet. Um, <laughs> and is there something you do encourage this, this type of lifestyle with some rewards, some like not pushing the people into this, but rather luring them into this? I mean, that is the thing that typically in Germany, most um, health insurances and health plans do. They use money, euros, to incentivize healthy behaviors or to reward healthy behaviors. To be honest, we think that it, the motivation needs to be intrinsic. The novelty of having 30 euros, let's say, for doing all your health checks in the year wears off very quickly. And the customer group that we're looking at as well, like the 30 euros are not really going to change anything in their lives. What would be much more interesting, I think, for them is that we actually try and support what they're doing. So, for example, we have a health box where if someone is interested in running, they can select a wearable to be able to track that. The wearable is not your typical wearable, which simply counts steps, but it really looks at heart rate and there's inbuilt algorithms to motivate you to stick with it and keep with it, but also make sure on a health basis that it, that you're working at a level that actually improves your health. Or for example, you know, lots of people these days were stressed, right? We work a lot and we work very hard you might be interested in rebalancing that side of your life, in which case you could choose our mind health box where we would send you some noise canceling uh, headphones as well as a subscription to a meditation app. So I think those kinds of rewards, support, incentives, 
might be more useful to our customer than just saying, here's 30 euros. I think that long-term, what we want to do as well is to create these kinds of nudges within our product to be able to help the customer move further and further. So right now it might be running for you, but maybe in a year's time, actually you might be interested in trying out the meditation, or maybe you'd be interested in actually looking at the nutrition side. Like health really is such a complex thing that, you know, we want to touch all those different areas and be able to support in all the different areas. I was actually going through the questions I would like to mm -hmm. ask you about the normal procedures of business, the normal running of business. But then I realized at this point, we are now taking the interview. You are like officially permitted to run as a health insurance business for like three weeks. So there's not plenty of information <laughs> and stories you you could draw on so therefore i'd rather ask you to come back maybe in a year or so when we mm -hmm. could talk a little bit about your experiences there and mm -hmm. i would also like to ask you if you do have any anything that may be important for you that we might have forgotten that we did not touch in this interview yet First of all, thank you very much for inviting me back. I would love to do that. Also to be able to share how we've gotten on with our customers that are already coming in. I think that, I think the key thing that I would love for listeners to take away is to understand what our vision is. We really want you as the customer to live the life you want to live. And we feel strongly that good health is the foundation of this good life that by supporting you and achieving this good health, which by the way is the good health that is appropriate for you, right? So not the good health that is appropriate for someone else. For example, people are very different and one person might want to run a marathon and the other person might want to bike with their kids on a weekend. And so it needs to be the right level of health for you. And we really want to help support that level of health so that you can live the best life that you want to live. We do this digitally. We do this through health prompts. We do this by creating a tariff that allows for support of these, for lack of a better word, initiatives. And we hope that that excites people and that they want to join us in, sounds really cheesy, but you know, living the best life possible. I do have one, one curveball question that I usually like to <laughs> ask. So if you could describe your life either as a book mm -hmm. title, as a movie title, or a combination of both, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Like an existing book title, existing movie? Yes, title? please. Okay. Oh, I need to think Maybe about to this. Give you some uh, time to think. I personally describe myself like a combination of Pinky and Brain and Forrest Gump. <laughs> very good. This is a very hard question, actually. How would I describe my life? I don't know. Like something that is very weird and zany and off the beaten track. I can't think of a title right now, but something that still has a, a compass going through it like so, Madagascar the, the movie like... with the animals 
<laughs> yes, maybe actually, maybe not, uh, not that, not that dissimilar. Actually, maybe the minions, right? The minions, they're always looking for their like <laughs> person to follow <laughs> and they get into weird adventures. Um, although obviously I would like to say officially on record that I'm not looking for evil overlords. Like the, the, the mission that I'm following is better health and better life, right? So <laughs> not that any listeners get the wrong idea. <laughs> Great. Then there's just for me to say thank you very much for being here and looking forward to have you back in, let's say, a year or something. Thank you very much for having me. Completely my pleasure. Thanks. Bye.